This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry. Oh, you applauded. That's so nice. Oh, so, sorry. I'll keep it professional. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I'm I'm giddy. I'm really, really happy, and I'm delighted, and I'm chuffed, and I'm all the good Whee! words because I get to welcome Lisa Daru to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Woo! <laughs> Just woo for yourself, but it's I good. Did. It's good. It's fine. We it's fine. Woo more for ourselves. <laughs> yes. Okay. We'll do one more. Woo! Okay. Now, Lisa Daru is a force. She's a whirlwind. She's a damn fine actor, an athlete, and teacher. She's queen of Christmas movies and empress of the quirky corner. But don't just limit her to comedic roles because she can do drama too, thank you very much. She will make you feel things. She will make you laugh. She will make you cry. She will make you festive. Since her breakout role as the villainous Chandra in Mark McKinney's Less Than Kind, which earned her a Gemini nomination and multiple Leo noms, Lisa has thrived in network, studio, and indie projects like Pregoland, Sunny Hearts Community Center, Murder She Baked, Heartland, Benchwarmers 2, The Chronicle Mysteries, and honestly every other Christmas movie filmed here in Vancouver. In 2018, Lisa founded Tri-Cities Film Studios, the first ever film training studio in the Tri-Cities area of the GVRD. And this former hockey player has laced up for multiple Hockey Helps the Homeless fundraising events. Oh, and she's got a toddler. Honestly, I'm exhausted just reading all of that. What a woman. So today, we're going to talk about all of that. The quirky corner and hockey and Winnipeg and having it all in life, and, and if that's even possible. And we're going to play a spirit of round of favorite things. Because I love Lisa and I want to. <laughs> Lisa Daru. Sounds great. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so um, you're giving me a little guilt uh, before we recorded. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> hardcore. Because I I sent you a message. And I'm like, you want to do the you want to do the show, and you're like, oh, finally. <laughs> like what? Because I knew you had. I was holding off asking you because you're so you seem so busy from the outside, and I know that you have a toddler. It's true. So my apologies. Don't apologize. I just like to take the piss out of people, and I enjoy it when they take it out of me. So that's all. <laughs> okay, good. But I genuinely appreciate it. So I uh, just uh, noticed to listeners, it's going to be one of those kind oh. of episodes. Yes. <laughs> um, but before we go on, before we go into the piss taking and, and I don't know where else you're going to take me, we are currently speaking to each other 
threw a piece of plexiglass, plexiglass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to people in the future who are listening um, in the age after COVID-19. We are still in the thick of it. We're at least a week away, like yeah. at least a week away from, from the cure and everything going back yeah. to normal. So, Lisa, during, uh, during the pandemic, I have mm-hmm. been asking people genuinely from my heart how they're they're doing how you are doing how are you how has how has pandemic life pandemic been for has you? Um, pandemic and i think this is probably obnoxious to most people i have found pandemic to be somewhat fantastic i but that's maybe i want you to continue but okay. also i love to hear that yeah you know as well and i think it's important for people for us to have these conversations so that we can normalize the range of emotions that happen that can happen do happen during a pandemic right so yeah. it's fine that you've had the best time ever and i've been <laughs> in the depths of despair well but but hold the phone here like i mean so right off the hop when all the world kind of shut down March my hus- 13th yes my husband is very much one of those people that will he wants to travel around in an RV all the time he's that guy so he said to me why don't we rent an RV and we can just travel and stay away from people it'll be great the only problem is we had <laughs> sorry I know <laughs> I love him for many things there's some that I just go er. he's very much Phil Dumphy from Modern Family but he wants to like rent an RV during a pandemic and yeah. stay away from people. Just go in the bush. But that's and just, the opposite of... I know. Uh, but this is sounds how it adorable. All, it is pretty cute. <laughs> this is how it all started, is that he said, why don't we do that? And I said, well, why don't we just see if we could rent a cabin? <gasps> so I went on Ooh. Airbnb, and I found a place in a Soyuz that was very isolated and still within a reasonable amount of time if you needed to go to a hospital. But obviously, you know, that was a bit of a gamble because I know some people will say, well, how dare you go to a small town? But but we did, you know, take into account that we had a one-year-old at that mm. point. And so we found this amazing lake house that was insanely discounted. There's no way I could have paid like 10 grand a month for this gorgeous place. And so we we went and we spent five weeks, just the three of us. And I think we left the, it's the house really. I think we left the house a grand total of about four times to get groceries. Wow. And even then I was just the one that would go. They wouldn't go with me. And during those five weeks, my daughter learned to walk She learned to climb stairs. She cut her first tooth. Like everything that was essentially a big first for her happened. And so it became this kind of monumental time period where now we'll just look at each other and go, oh, I miss a Soyuz. (laughs) Like when the world was magical and it was just us. And, you know, you could, I think, you know, we brought like one little suitcase and just kept washing stuff. Like That's we, so beautiful yeah. because otherwise that could have been like the beginning of a horror movie. 100%. Well, that's yeah. when we walked in. You could see the lake like right from the front door and I was like, ooh, this is a horror movie house. I'm like, don't say that. Do not say that. Because you you yourself have done uh, one or two horror yeah, movies. Yeah, so yeah. But no, it, it turned out to be uh, fantastic in the sense that I think for the first time in I don't even know how many years, it just stopped the clock. Like I didn't need to work. I could be home with my daughter who is now, I put her in daycare pretty early because of work and because of just our lifestyle and I, I, being that she's an only child and I wanted her to socialize and all the things. So I think it just gave me time that I did not expect and that has become the positive of the whole thing. Hmm. So I'm not taking for granted the fact that, you know, or pardon me, I'm not downplaying what's going on. It's just that for me, the personal thing was that, oh man, I get to stop worrying about what's next and I need to be at work and whatever. You just 
could take some time to enjoy my daughter who will never be turning one and you know having those firsts again yeah how was the cutting of the tooth it's been going well bad she's oh man i tell you i don't know how i lucked out with her she's not a, a a whiny kid like she she's a rough and tumble kid that doesn't cry that much and if she does it doesn't last long so I don't know. I don't oh, know. You're, you're I right. lucked out. Yeah, I mean, she'll be a beast I, when she's a teenager. <laughs> I mean, that's I think how it works. Um, although my kid was very passionate uh, at the very beginning yeah. and is passionate at nine, and right. will be. Pa- I have expect passionate as a right. teenager. So, and I am grateful for for all of that. Yeah. Um, with regards to COVID nineteen, though. Mm-hmm. What about acting and and work? Mm-hmm. Did you did you miss it? Did you feel an, its absence in your life? Like, tell me a little bit about. <laughs> this isn't me being like you had such a great time. Someone like you know, right? Bring you Let's down. make sure we find the points that sucked. <laughs> okay, uh, I think. But there's a loss. I was grieving. I yeah. was grieving I was sitting here with people in my studio during that time. I'm wondering what you know, what kind of loss you felt. You might have felt at all. To be honest, I think it was more the loss of freedom, you know, just the simple mm. aspect of going to a grocery store with Michael or with my daughter, things like that. Like simple little things that I missed. Um, the acting thing, I I don't, I genuinely did not miss it because I am someone who tries really, really hard to just focus what's in front of me. Mm. And at that point, and maybe it's, you know, just different thoughts just based I think also too with we've talked about this before with my health like having MS growing up and stuff like I just kind of learned to go with what's what's the here and now and so that part I didn't miss too much but I think also at that point I was still in the fog with everyone else that you didn't really know how long this was going to last because mm. normally something happens we're pretty spoiled in Canada with healthcare and stuff that you go oh it's okay they'll find a vaccine it'll be good but then you didn't realize how long it would drag out yeah so I think I missed the freedom I missed the idea that family could travel because we're very good about either we go home or people come out here quite often. So oh, that yeah, was, you're prairie folk. That, yeah, so that was and something. And your kitchen parties and all yeah, of that. all of that, all <laughs> of that. So I think that was something that we definitely missed or that you, you do, uh, what was the word you were using for it? Grief, mourning, Yeah, totally. Loss, yeah. 100%. There was a point that got, I guess, about month two or three where you start to go, oh, man, like I'm feeling... I'm just feeling bummed out. Yeah. And that's when we went back to real life, you know, back home. And you kind of go, okay, well, we don't have this gorgeous cabin anymore. Mm, And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but by then things I think had – people had gotten more accustomed to it. So it it wasn't at the beginning where everyone was hoarding toilet paper and doing all that stuff. Yeah, that was still really weird. It was trippy. Like, get a bidet for 20 bucks at Home Depot. Like, that's what you're worried about? I love knowing that you know the price of of bidet, therefore suggesting that. Have you gone that route? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I'm a practical human. Yeah. Actually, it was Michael. He goes, okay, well, just in case we're going to do this, because what if we run out of toilet paper? Like, that's going to ruin your day, but I don't want to hoard it. We're one of the only... like Western cult, like Western cultures are are very different from other cultures around the world, including you know my Indian side or Pulse Filipino side, like right. with regards to the relationship with toilet paper. Yeah, it's right? so weird. It's like it's counterintuitive to like, okay, I've I, I've created all of this stuff and I'm gonna wipe my butt with some dry stuff. Yeah. Like otherwise, it's like no, like, it's so odd. Yeah, it it's is so, very odd. You I didn't love, know we were gonna talk about this I today, love huh? That you brought it up because that kind of stuff, like I am that person, will think that and go. <laughs> Why? That doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. it, but I think it's 
Yeah, we're going there. We definitely own a bidet, and I think it's fantastic. And yeah. you just feel good. Yeah. So yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> that's why you're always happy, and you bring giddiness and happiness to <sighs> to others. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Let's let let's get some control here. Okay. See, this is why Super I waited serious. so long to invite you. I know. She's just, just a cat hot in the mess. closet. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen when you open it. All right. Let's let's do some time travel. Sure. I love how quickly you said sure. Um, what no is what your, you mean, but let's do it. your time travel device of choice? Uh, whoa. Like, like legit? Yeah, like legit. Like, I have the power to produce a time travel device. Yeah. That will take us back in time. Like, let's just but it, say. But if we have the magical powers to do that, why wouldn't we just be able to snap our fingers? Why create a whole machine? Well, maybe that's your time travel yeah. device of choice. Okay, so I'm going to snap my finger. Great. And we're going to go back in time to okay. your childhood. Okay. And my request would be that it is a warmer time in your childhood than a, than a colder time. Oh, Because I'm pretty sure you're taking us back to Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I, I want to know... I have a nine-year-old. Okay. Nine's such a great peer age. Yeah. You know, so I want to know um, who you were when you were nine years old. So we're at your house. That, I know people heard. It was snap. I was in, I would have, was that fourth grade? I feel like that would have been fourth grade. Fourth grade, yeah. Fourth grade, I was at Ecole Varenne, which is a French immersion school with Madame Gosselin as a teacher, and I was terrified of her. Wait, is Daru a French name? Yeah. Oh. is French. I'm Métis. I'm indigenous. My okay. dad is Métis. I actually, I have my card. You couldn't tell by looking at me because I got all my mom's coloring. But uh, yeah, I'm full on indigenous. And wow. I speak French. <laughs> I've known you for such a long time. I had no idea. Uh, well, it's kind of an interesting, just freeze the time travel thing for a second. It's kind of an interesting, odd thing to bring up because the same way maybe somebody who is a certain ethnicity but doesn't appear to be and people kind of go oh no well you don't really fit in that category yeah I've always been in that situation where I don't at all look what half of my heritage is my lineage so to bring it up I feel like sometimes people just kind of they either dismiss it or they think you're potentially just bringing it up to try and maybe get free stuff oh my gosh yeah so no, it's, an, interesting, I, and I, it's I, an odd thing to bring up to people but no legit like my 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 dad's family tree is all um we go all the way back to turtle mountain tribe chippewa tribe in uh, north dakota yeah wow i mean yeah, and you know what there is a lot of discrimination specifically against metis people yeah. for that well, very exactly. reason you know yeah, but like you know I've, I have indigenous people um I, I've I've listened to incredible conversations. You know, I, I'll watch any panel discussion or yeah. tw- or Twitter discussion. You know about <clears throat> um, about the privilege that comes from being white presenting. You know as well. But yeah. then the and the, but also then the identity issues and the ownership that you can feel towards your own culture if you don't look a, a certain way. Totally. Um, and heck, I get that even as a you know it's a d- different. But as a and you know my mom is blonde and blue eyed and my dad is from India yeah, and no exactly. one ever looks at me and being like. Oh, you're. Are, yeah. is your, are you? Is your family from Ukraine? Unless they have like a, <laughs> oh a fair or, or a darker, oh you know, relative, right? right. So you know, I, I, I. Wow, I just, I also, I love learning something new oh, about you. Yeah, uh, so as well. So yes, it's French. Yes, I am indigenous. And um, grade four, back to grade, grade four. Grade four. Grade oh. four. What was I doing? Sorry, the the machine's faulty. Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's backfiring. Uh, grade four. Uh, yeah, I was living in Winnipeg. I was into, what was I into in fourth grade? I think I was just getting into, I was transitioning from gymnastics into, I think I started playing ringette that year. Yeah, because that was the first year my dad Pause. Took, 
So for... <laughs> Which I've never done in other interviews, but that's the thing here. Okay, I, I we need to talk about ringette. Yeah. Because it is a distinctly Canadian thing. Very. And I so and we have listeners all over the world. We have listeners who who love, you know, winter sports and stuff. Right. Who might who might not know what ringette is. So yeah. please. Ringette is Lisa Duru. It's a Canadian it was initially started by a Canadian uh, citizen who decided that Unlike hockey, they would open up the game just a little bit, pardon me, by having, instead of with hockey, you know, you just have the stick, the puck, you had a stick without a blade, which is one long stick and a ring. And so what happened over time was that you had, it kind of became like a girl sport and then hockey was the guy sport. And so the pros and cons were that, you know, con being most people didn't really buy into it at the time and the pro being that what it was doing was producing these women that were fantastic ice hockey skaters or or ice skaters but they weren't necessarily good with sticks when they transitioned to hockey so for me I started really young because it was very much a Manitoba thing there's you you can't skate over the blue line you have to pass it so it kind of not kind of it did teach you teamwork Um, that's definitely where I learned to skate but then over time, you realize that hockey was the more dominant and there was more opportunity if you got into that sport. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was in grade four. I went to just, I, we were just skating around the rink at an open open skate. And so there was a guy that came up and said, hey, my daughter plays ringette. Is that something you're interested in? And I had no clue what he was talking about. And I went to my first game, I think, the next week. And I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong. <laughs> I went, the, you know, the goalie took the ring and I went right in and tried to take it back from her. They're like, you can't do that. Um, I <laughs> went like, over, why not? I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't know. So, yeah, I kind of learned as I went. But, yeah, I was getting into ringette at that point. And then, I don't know. I just, I was a typical little Winnipegger kid. I was, I was happy-go-lucky. I was super chubby. I was a very round child and mm. I loved it. I was very comfortable with being a round child. Yeah. Was, yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed my fourth grade. I just was terrified we need of to my norm- We need to normalize, like, bodies. You know, like, and I'm seeing it, you know, with my daughter who is 9 and 10. And, like, yeah. every, everybody grows at different paces, places, yeah. too. And this idea that all bodies should look the same and also look a way that, like, it's not... Like, if you need to eat food, you yeah. know? And, like, you can also eat food and be physically active yeah. and and also ha- have more to you, and that's fine. Yeah. I you know? think my, my mom was really good about it, though. She always just said to me, you know, if you have a great personality, people are never going to worry about what you look like. Yeah. So I took that from an early age. So I was a really happy kid. And I just – it was odd because my mom was a school teacher, and so she was friends with my teacher, even though I was terrified of her. So you can imagine, you know, on a weekend – bunch of teachers coming over and one of them is this teacher that you're petrified of and trying to, <laughs> but she was very different away from school because she didn't have to be authoritative she was lovely but at school it was like there was a switch and she was Whoa. very authoritative and I was terrified so usually I save this kind of question until the end okay. but you know seeing as we're already snapped and we're here sure um if if you had the opportunity to crouch down and give nine-year-old Lisa some advice, um, you know, some words of wisdom that mm-hmm. would would help her for the for the years ahead. What would you say, or would you not say anything at all? I think the only thing I would say to her is trust your gut, because as a kid, I was always very 
aware of what I wanted and I was very fearless about it. But over time, I think what happened and probably happens to a lot of people is that life, other people's opinions start to cloud your judgment and crowd your ability to maybe do what you know you want to do, you know? And and I imagine it's even harder now with social media and stuff. Like I got out before all that happened, right? I just squeaked out of high school and then all of a sudden that whole world started up. So I would just tell her, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut unless you feel that you need to speak up for somebody and make big mistakes because that's how you're going to learn and just go for it. Don't worry what other people think. But that would probably be the maximum I would tell her. Yeah, because you gotta figure it out yourself. I don't think it helps. You, and you also do you don't want to mess somebody. with the whole like time continuum <laughs> stuff, you know? It's because true. then you end up with Donald Trump it's as president. What? what? Oh my God! Shut Is that what happened? Door. Oh God! <laughs> you know, I, 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 I mean. I know, and you've mentioned also before about the fact that, like, you are an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a certain point, though, you know, you you make a leap to, or or you open a door and you and you enter this whole other world, world. that I would imagine, um, like, because also, like, okay, spoil or disclaimer or admission, um, I know nothing about sports. That's okay. Nothing. That's okay. Um, and I, I imagine that you know that they're they are very different worlds. You know. Yeah. So can can you tell me about your your entry into you know the world of acting sure. and the world of being on set and you know the ways in which it was like also like different but also the same with the world that you were coming from yeah yeah well it all started very organically I had no real interest in pursuing the arts as a a career that could pay you did you know people who had pursued the arts not really one of my parents friends daughter was doing Stratford which is a a really fantastic and very recognized theater in uh Eastern Canada and Ontario, and yes, so the, the, I mean, it's not it's the Stratford the Festival. Stratford Festival. She was Monica. She was doing the Stratford Festival, and I thought, well, she's so fancy. Does so she I, have a scarf? I, I don't <laughs> you totally have a scarf now, but I I'm imagining Monica on. with a scarf. Um, I don't remember. I, me- I just remember she was about 15 years older than me, and I just kind of looked up to her in awe. That wow, she's magical. She's an actor, but. It never dawned on me that that was something I could do. It just Mm. wasn't ever in my brain. But I was playing hockey. I was going to go away to school uh, the next year. I was going to go play for Bemidji, Minnesota. I had a the who Bemidji. It's a town in Minnesota. Bemidji. Bemidji. They had nice hockey. Oh, Bemidji, Minnesota. College team. College hockey. And so I also pause. Fucking love Minnesotans. Yes, they're they're like. I mean, be, besides people from the prairies and the Maritimes, right. Minnesotans are like the salt of the earth. They I, are. I, I love, I love you, Minnesota. They're good peeps, especially Bemidjians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call them, Bemidjiers, Bemidjis, Bemidjites, Bemidjites. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was going to go the next year. I was going to go out in grade twelve, and then my grade twelve year, I just kept dislocating my shoulder oh. playing hockey. And so anyone who's ever done something like that, you realize that once it happens once, it keeps happening. So. My mom had said to me, why don't you just take the year off from go, like the idea of going. We'll go to university here because in Winnipeg, there was a university in Winnipeg and they were starting a female hockey team. And she's like, just take three classes that you find easy enough that you can handle it while you know, you're playing hockey and you're 
getting your shoulder fixed. And I That's the benefit of having a teacher I know. for a she, parent. Keep your brain active. <laughs> she said, I don't want you to sitting home doing nothing. Keep your brain active. I said, okay. So I took three classes in sociology and English and a theater class. And one of the things we had to do pretty quickly was that we had to go do a review on a musical, a local musical, which was Chorus Line. And <gasps> I was watching Val, the character Val. She sings the song Dance 10 Looks 3, also known as Tits and Ass. Tits and, and ass. ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's she's fan kicking and she's belting her guts out. And I just remember being captivated going like, whoa, that looks so hard. And she's making it look so easy. Yeah. And looking back now, I think there was a little, not a little, I think there was a, a big part of me as a kid that was very creative because my mom would always have us doing crafts. My dad was really into music. So it was something we did, but I didn't really think about it. And so something just, the spark was, you know, lit. I guess a match was lit? Spark was lit? You know, anyways, you get it. There was so, fire. There was fire. <laughs> something happened. It was incendiary. Yeah. And so I went back to school, and I enrolled full-time in the theater program. And within a couple of weeks, I was taking about nine hours of dance. A week, I had found a studio that would train people. I was already 18 going on 19. Like, it wasn't... I was old. I started with five-year-olds. I should have been their teacher. Hmm. And so the studio, Ken Peter Dance Studio, was great about helping me. And then, so they got me into doing that. My goal was to get into musical theater. Hmm. And so I told my parents I wasn't going to go away for hockey. My Sorry, dad, pause. I just had this image of you at, at like the recital for the school. Like, you know, be like some like little five-year-olds like dressed up as like flowers doing blossoms. And then you come out and you do um, <laughs> Dance 10 Looks 3, Tits and Ass from Chorus Line. That, that And the that, children's parents yeah. are mortified. Oh man. The was... song is about that Val, like she's she's working so hard. She's a great dance. She goes for auditions, um, but she's flat as a board. Yeah. And so she gets dance ten looks three. Yeah. And then um she goes and she has some surgical enhancement and um it it changes her life. Yeah, her da- her yeah. scorecard always was like Tits her. and ass can yes. st- Change yeah. your life, it sure changed mine. You got it. Yeah, I did because I'm flat. As well, so <laughs> you are not flat. You are. Well, I got a, I got a good. Well, I had a daughter and I got a good bra, but good I love I love course line. All right, yeah. continue. Thank so, you for indulging me. I I was with you. I was about to harmonize. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I I enrolled in the program. I started doing dance. I started taking singing lessons. Gave up hockey. My dad cried and then got over it. And then just by way of right place, right time, a series of events just kind of started happening where um, I drove a girlfriend in my second year to a a movie for an open call for an MTV movie in Winnipeg called Everybody's Doing It. And I wasn't going to audition. I just was driving her. What were they doing? What was everybody doing? If you can find it and watch it, you'll see. It's archaic if you can find it, though. So, like Lizzie Kaplan, some pretty cool people, but man, everybody's doing it. Right. I got caught doing it in the library. That was my character. So, I ended up, (gasps) went back for an audition. I booked it. It was like 16 days on set. Whoa. What? I had no clue how to be a film actor. I had no clue what to do. They told me how to not look in the camera. Um, It was awful. (laughs) Sorry for laughing. But it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really quick crash course, a lot of hard lessons, but a lot of amazing opportunities. And, and then from there, uh, it's the like next... you with ringette. There you go. <laughs> no, and they're like, you, you, your ring goes in the thing and you go to get it back. It's the go, same kind of lesson you okay. learn by doing it. I have had so many in-your-face life lessons that I think had I had a different temperament, I would have just lost it. But I'm very much like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit little bit of blind ambition a lot of times. Maybe that's an athletics thing. I Maybe that's also like, well, I mean, to adjust and you just have to get over it quickly oh, 100%. to finish the to finish 100%. the match 
the game. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. I don't know. So no, no, but you're totally right. Because then what happened was, is in my third year, I got, I took a stage combat class just to have some extra cool skill to do. It's all sword fighting and stuff. And the teacher was a stunt coordinator for all of Manitoba. And he got me into doing stunt work for film. And then just started working pretty full time in theater in Winnipeg. Went to uh, the CCPA, which is a boot camp theater or musical theater school in Victoria for a year. Well, pause. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a few CCPA people oh, come yeah. through here. Totally. So, like, like I went to school. I was a year behind Fiona Vroom. So, I went with Fiona Vroom and <gasps> Joel Sturrock. And, oh, wow. Um, who else? Allie Liebert was there. But she was there a few years before me. She went the same year as my husband, actually. Whoa. Allison Riley. There's a whole bunch of people. It was a, such a great school. It was a great school. It's it's just it literally is a boot camp for one year that you just get this crash course on musical theater. And so I went there. I went back to Winnipeg, finished my degree, and uh, was doing Hair the Musical when I auditioned for a show called Less Than Kind that was coming to town. Didn't really think I had a hope in hell because it was Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall, but they mm. were just kind of seeing who was there first before they went to like Vancouver, or Toronto, or L.A. for the part. And then I got it and. It went from there, and then I got a phone call from Play Management in my little apartment in Winnipeg about 11 years ago, and they said, you're working with our client, and we hear you don't have an agent. And I was already 26. I said, no, I just do it myself. <laughs> and then they went, do you want to move to, do you want to, move to Vancouver? And, and that was it, and I moved here about, I guess, yeah. No, that, that would have been 13 years ago because I moved here 11 years ago. Whoa. And it all just kind of went. Did you know Alex Ponovic back in Winnipeg? I knew of him through Rick Skeen, who was the stunt coordinator that got me into it. But it was very much kind of one of those, hey, do you know Joe from Canada? When I moved out here, people <laughs> constantly like, oh, you must know Alex. And I said, nobody heard of him. So when I finally met him at an event, he was super nice. And, and so we hit it off right away. But then I don't think... We only have worked together once, and that was only, that was years later. On Puppet Killer. Yeah. And so we've never really crossed paths since, but we see each other and, and run into each other, and I, I adore him. We I mean, it's a great. small community, and you can't miss him, because he's just, yeah. I mean, he's, he's there. Well, it's hilarious, because he played, we played boyfriend-girlfriend, and I'm like half his size. But she just was so <laughs> awful to him and bossing him around all the time, and he just took it. He was so, his character was so great. Aww. Yeah. No, I miss that guy. guy. I've seen know. him. I, I interviewed him during the pandemic, like over over Skype. But man, what a big heart! But this is about you. You're terrific. Everything so, always <laughs> comes back to Alex fucking Ponovic. Alex Ponovic. Jesus Alex Ponovic drinking game and anything to do with the film industry. <laughs> <laughs> You're Amazing. not wrong. His name it. comes up in like 85 percent of I the love interviews. It. Frankly, though. I'm not usually the one to bring him up, but I did think because, right. you know, it the was Winnipeg the connection. Winnipeg connection. Totally, the I'll take it. And stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have, yeah. Oddly, we're very different people, but have very similar track records. So weird. <laughs> you, <laughs> what is the Winnipeg sensibility, though? I mean, there is something, you know, that I see when I'm interviewing somebody. I mean, let's even make it bigger. Like, let's make it the prairies. Sure. You know, somebody like, like yourself or like, you know, Michael Eklund or Alex Ponovic. Like, there's, there's something that that y'all from the prairies, right. you know, Aubrey or Brianna, like that yeah. you bring to. Side note, yeah, uh, grew up with Aubrey. I think picture. we say pause. I think we Sorry. say pause. Pause. 
I have a photo of Aubrey and I naked together in a tub because our parents were very good friends and used to, when we were very little, we'd hang out. And, okay. Yes. I thought that was a different kind of anecdote. I'm like, wow, we're talking about Aubrey Arneson. And um, yeah, I've known her since I was born. <laughs> Welcome to Winnipeg. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you become like, you, you know each other and like, yeah. let's throw our kids in a tub together. Pretty much. Um, it's a okay. Thing. So all, all of all of you, all yeah. of you, what is, yeah. what is, what is the prairie sensibility i think we're a practical group i think based on we're practical people yeah we we're practical <laughs> people i think based on the 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 way winnipeg came to be which was this you know these meeting of these two rivers we're talking years and years and years ago which was a, a trading post for people from all over the the north america to come to and eventually what became the, this hub for anybody who is immigrating to Canada, it's a group of people that have come from all over that have worked very hard and maybe not had a lot to start with, like going back to your grandparents or great grandparents. So you're just it's kind of instilled in you to be a good person, be really appreciative for what you appreciative for what you have, and to be as equally kind to other people because most people are coming from somewhere else and maybe don't have as much. So I think there's a sense of of just a duty to take care of others and to be a very practical, logical person to make sure that as as a group you keep moving forward. You survive because it gets really cold. And it's cold. Um okay. <laughs> I'm not from Vancouver. Okay. This might be getting into like really contentious territory because Whoa. I do, I love living here. Okay. And I'm committed to living here and specifically here in this podcast studio <laughs> forever. Um, I'm, but I'm from Montreal originally and then okay. I did my teen years in Toronto. Cool. Um, and I, my, and I love the Vancouver film and TV community and do you see all the setup I'm doing yeah. to say that I love Vancouver, but... but. Um, what you describe, you know, as as that prairie sensibility and that we all need to look after each other and yeah. be friendly and, you know, say, how you doing? And yeah. I don't feel that in Vancouver. I feel it in the community, like our well, community. I'll, here, I'll save you. I'll step in it. I totally agree. When I moved here. Vancouverites are dicks. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> no, but I have, I have a reason behind it. I think when I first moved here, I was blown away at the lack of of just even um, acknowledgement that you were even in the same room as some people. And mm. I was so mystified by what was this? Why do people not look up and say, hey, or open a door and you say, thank you? I didn't understand. So we kind of, my husband and I coined the term, and just don't give a care. And so we'd laugh. We'd be like, if, if Winnipeg is, here, have the shirt off my back, Vancouver is, I don't give a care. Mm. And what I found living here now for 11 years is that people are so busy trying so hard to claim their little stake in what is a very fast-moving, expensive, expensive city yeah. that sometimes you just forget the little basics that, yeah. you know, you learned as a kid is to treat people how you'd want to be treated. But but at the same time, I'd be lying if I said I didn't catch myself some moments being like, you could probably just slow down and say yeah. thank you as opposed to like, oh, I got this meeting and I got to do this and I got to do this. You know, I think it's just, it's a different lifestyle. So you can't fault them. You just have to understand it. And yeah. I think, you know, it's and I to, find, I will say that that has, what you're describing, I don't feel applies at all to the film and TV community because, yeah. you know, where, whereas, you know, I like, and I even like just trying to talk to these, some of the other parents in the schoolyard a lot yeah. harder now with the masks on, right. um, you know, but it would be like, I would like, I, it was almost like that they were 
offended that I would even be trying to start to have a conversation. Yeah, it's like they don't you get know. it. Yeah, they don't but, understand why. What's your motive? Why do you want to talk to me? But it's as like, far as I'm just being nice. Yeah, <laughs> but it, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but as far as like you know, making conversations, making you know, and not just connections, but connecting with people, the generosity, the volunteering, all of that stuff, the yeah. support in this our community. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. So out of step, I think, than um, than the city at large. No, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So Thank you. Can gonna... you even say that I may be right? Uh, Sabrina, you're right. Thank you. I there appreciate you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... that's my new ringtone, everybody. <laughs> Sabrina, you're right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so let's 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 go all over the place sure. here. Sure. Um, because you know, I I mean, you didn't rebut the thesis statement that I made about you at the beginning where I called you the um, a queen of Christmas movies and empress of the quirky corner yeah. um, but don't just limit her slash you to comedic Definitely roles. Not. Um, you know so like what is a what is a Lisa DeRue role? God what is a Lisa DeRue role? Yeah like when are you when are you the happiest? When are you the most engaged with the material? I think I think there's very few parts that I don't get excited about because I find that even if there's something that I wouldn't necessarily do or maybe I've done too much, I always think there's a new way of looking at it. But I would say I think an easy sell when it comes to the product of Lisa DeRue is anything funny, anything, like you said, quirky or maybe outside the box in terms of, of your general thinking of that type of character but that being said, I do thoroughly enjoy proving people wrong. So when someone would assume that perhaps it's not a Lisa Drew part, my my text or email or phone call to my agent is like, yes, let me throw it on tape and let's see what happens. And more often than not, it lands. Because hmm. I think something that, because I'm, I'm somebody that you go, I don't really know where to put her, it also opens up the doors to, oh, I never thought to put her there. Hmm. So, you know, I think right off the bat, the comedy definitely it's something that just comes naturally to me and I take really seriously because it's not easy but I also was given a fantastic advice years ago that if you want to be a damn good comedic actor you got to be a damn good actor because overall you can't be funny if you're not good at what you're doing it's it's a whole other skill set with timing and 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 being witty and and you name it there's so much involved in it uh so definitely comedy the quirky thing is just because I'm I'm a blowhorn with an opinion half the time. So I just, well, that's why you're here. I tend, yeah, I tend, <laughs> I tend to think more like a trucker. I always think my spirit animal is Miss Piggy, which she was put together as a. If you don't know who Miss Piggy is from the Muppets, she was the idea they when they were making her that they're like, if we took this woman who's this fierce female, but we put her in like a trucker's body and made her a pig. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah. what is the pig thing? I'll take that. So I think I do think that the maybe what people don't tend to think of when it comes to me is there is a tenacity and a definite ferociousness to my personality that I only will use when absolutely necessary. So the more authoritative type roles I definitely can do, but because I come across as very playful and light and fun because I don't see why you wouldn't people don't necessarily go there to think like that. So that would be one that I say. I'm suddenly terrified of you. You should I suddenly be. see the, <laughs> the potential for the um, My mother was that school teacher terror. that they'd be like, shut up, Miss Drew's coming. And so I inherited that part of her. But but my mom always said to me that your your ability to 
be authoritative towards people is a is a gift. It's not mm. uh, something you want to use lightly. So only use it when needed. And that I think was where the business side of me comes into it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely I think people think more funny and light and quirky and all that stuff. But um, yeah, like every other actor, I enjoy making you ball your eyes out and I enjoy making you, you know, take pause for a hot second. What I probably won't ever do I'm never going to be that sex kitten that busts in in leather in some sci-fi show. Like, they, it's just not my thing. Okay, you know what's that's hilarious it. about this? Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have spoken over you at the end because that's, okay. that's going to be a clip that I, when a couple of years from now, when you have been cast to be the a sci-fi sex kitten who busts sex in, kitten who busts in <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, hey, remember when you uh, said this total bullshit thing? Yeah. Because um, you were wrong. Yeah. Um, never say never. That's the one thing I will say is that in, the, in response flat out what is the Lisa Drew part or what is the mo- anything because there's nothing unless it's nudity that you know my kid doesn't need to see me naked in 10 years or whatever like there's lots of girls who will do that and do that well but other than that I'll try anything and put a spin on it this last one that I just did for Netflix was supposed to be a 50 year old black woman going through menopause and I went I'm sorry what and I walked I well, how am I gonna make this work and I walked in just went for it and instead chose to make her a little bit more of a tipsy day drunk at the office and it worked and and I landed on Netflix and I was like I'll take that so wait hold can't on complain. what I'm sorry so you you had they you what what was this role that you just that you read for, for? it was a show called love guaranteed it just came out on Netflix last month yeah it, it taught what, what this top rated one so yeah, it was, was originally su- so <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be this woman they referenced Rita, who is a character, the the actress Rita, her character is on Parks and Rec. And she is a lovely, gorgeous, 50-something black woman going Oh, through. so that was the reference That material. was a reference for her. So when I looked at, like, to say, because you're like, well, what's Lisa Drew Part? I would have never been like, oh, that's me. Okay. And even at the audition, women are like, why are you here? I'm like, oh. Um, so just gave them a different option and they went for it. So. Oh, yeah. I, I should have put love guaranteed and there's so much to keep track of. I saw that. I mean, it's congratulations. Okay. Well, I mean, you. that is... Okay. People have been loving them some love guaranteed uh, mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Okay. Um, let's talk about the hallmark of it sure. all because I think for a lot of people, yeah. um, not only do they associate you with Hallmark, Hallmark and yeah. Christmas movies, they associate you with Alison Sweeney, totally. um, who I like both for Chronicle Mysteries. Um, you were dead in that one, though, right? I mm, no, no. They thought I was dead. Right. Okay. Then, spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, oh shut up. <laughs> and then go. and murder she baked. Yeah. Uh, as well. Um, so I mean, there's a lot to talk about with Hallmark, but I I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, Me too. and I totally uh, loved to hate and then grew to fiercely love uh, Samantha Jean Brady, played yes. by uh, Austin Sweeney, and yes. who she's back on there doing her, doing a stint right now because oh, one of her babies is totally wackadoo. Right. Um, you know, uh, but I, I just, I want to know because, you know, Ali is also um, a, a, a fearsome, incredible powerhouse presence, oh, yeah. you know, uh, with hands in a lot of different pots, you know, so what have, what have you learned working with uh, Ali, um, Samantha Jean Brady, um, Demera Sweeney. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, well, oh, I mean, her and I worked together oh, five years ago, Murder, She Baked was a thing. I think it didn't last as long as we hoped it just it just uh, yeah 
just different reasons the show ended up they they pulled the plug on it but it did well when it was on but she I only did one other show with her but she became a very close friend and confident very quickly actually she just messaged me yesterday because she's in town and she's looking for a nanny for one of her producers oh. uh, random but uh, <laughs> yeah she taught me how to really fight for what you want but without I don't want to say without emotion, but without overthinking it. Just, you know, say what you want and be okay with what people think of it. And she said to me once, you know when you have that feeling like you want to puke in your stomach? That's your spine reminding you it's there, so use it. And I think it was more for, yeah, write it down. It was more for herself at the same time. Wow. I know. I was like, what? And that has been a game changer because there's been meetings that I walk into, whether it be pitch meetings, whether it just be, um, you know, management meetings. And you walk in and you you do feel a little lesser than for a hot second. But I just think, okay, what would Ali say? And it's it's really helped me over the last five years or so to to think like that. You see how my eyes are still big? I know, I yeah, know. Yeah, that is so amazing. You know, and especially like with all of the anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the zeitgeist right now you know i'm like terrified half the time just to step outside you know but that feeling in your stomach is you're being reminded that you have a spine there so so use it it. oh my god yeah and she's a very fierce businesswoman i mean she's she's created this brand for herself like you said in so many different areas and even you know the fact that it started on a soap opera and has has really blown up for her and continues she writes books she does all kinds of you know she used to do before all this like traveling and speaking and stuff and she's yeah i learned a lot from her she's and a fantastic still, actor yeah as I, well. I learned a lot from her just even now you know and, and she's someone that i can bounce something off and she'll get back to me and let me know if i'm crazy but she's she's a good person yeah and i i have a lot of respect for uh for daytime actors as well because i really think that they were carter um that, she, that one then they're given credit for right. but you too but then then like anyone else i mean the number of hours they have to work the number of pages that they have she to do holds in a day. the record i think she said it's 91 pages of, of text in one day yeah, she said you basically get programmed that you can just look at it, speed read it, memorize it, go, shoot it once, they move on. So it's a whole it's just a whole different muscle that, you know, we get the luxury of learning it the night before and soap opera actors don't. That's so go go go. And just incredible, so incredible. Yeah, um and honestly, people who love your you love your Game of Thrones, you love your your very serialized, you know, nighttime dramas, that like daytime did it first. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Um <laughs> and is still doing it. Yeah, I mean there are <laughs> there are still four shows that are it's crazy. still that are still doing it. It's it's, crazy. it's incredible. No, that's actually that is like I have a little bit of a soap opera historian. I used to watch with my granddad. Um With my grandma, same yeah, thing. Yeah, no like I think it's really funny because he was like the most um, like he worked in a factory for 40 years and then right. he got a farm and so he would do most of his like farm work from like 4.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. and then his afternoons you know he would like go blackberry picking or whatever but it would be like to like sit and watch like his stories right. you know and so when I'd go visit him on his farm like you know especially if it was like if it was like shit outside we would we would watch the stories yeah you know and uh, yeah and I just and I also I love the the following of the same family, you know, through the generations. But didn't it blow your mind, like, when you were younger and you didn't quite understand that it was acting, but you did? 
the, the same family could have one week mom was possessed and the next week daughter was kidnapped and then the week after that the son you're literally talking about Sammy Brady's family accident yeah, yeah. But you just go like the things that could happen so until you were I was old enough to understand that it was just a TV show you're like this poor family like their entire life is just tragic yeah yeah but then you start to get it you're like oh wait but then it was weird to see them on TV. Like, I remember seeing years, this is years ago, Deirdre, Deirdre Hall and, um, oh, who's John Black? What's his character? Drake Hodgestan. Drake, yes. <laughs> seeing them on a talk show, a late night talk show. And it, yeah. it was so confusing. It was like seeing a teacher outside of school. You were just like, this is weird. This yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. So it took me a while. And Deirdre, 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 Deirdre? Deirdre, I think. She was teaching the host how to cry on cue. And I just remember watching her going like, this is insane. Oh, like, nobody so cries like Deirdre Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Respect. Cool. Respect for daytime actors. Totally. That's a, that's, I, I will also say though, like, I, I think one of the reasons that I, I love daytime is the same reason that I love sci-fi as well. Like, it, because it is, it's, it is, although I haven't watched daytime in a long time. Because I'm doing other stuff during daytime, You're although busy. I still, yeah, but I still keep up, especially with what's going on. Every time I hear that Sammy Brady is heading back to days, I have to yeah. find out what's going on. Um, but you know, the the escapism, like I don't want to see, you know, a COVID nineteen story on a soap necessarily, but like I, you know, that you know, um, Marlena being possessed by the devil, like yeah. that's really rad, you yeah. know, and be like, my life is a mess, but oh my god, what's going on? It with just Sammy? takes you away from reality because yeah. you're like, that wouldn't happen to me, yeah. hopefully, and that's an important role, like, and I think that's yeah. the important role that that um, I mean and we really have seen it during the pandemic the role that entertainment plays and yeah. that diversion plays and I know totally. that Hallmark and this is my segue look at me I'm well like yeah you like it brilliant for a lot of people Hallmark is that is is that escapist drama is that escape they're their extended families and you know it's their fresh baked cookies and, and yeah, all I of think, that yeah I definitely think there's a they have a very strong base of people who do watch them but I think there's also equally a base of people that no longer watch them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about let's the hallmark. Do it. Let's talk about the hallmark of it all. Totally. Um, you know, we are. It is September twenty second, twenty twenty, and a lot has happened in the world, um, and a lot has happened in the hallmark world. Right. Uh, you know, and there has been, you know, as as there have been a lot of discussions around social justice in the larger world, in the entertainment world, there's been discussions about diversity on screen. Right. Um, and you know ha- where we've seen it and where we haven't seen it. And Hallmark has come under fire for, you know, but people talk about um, unofficially mandated uh, ideas around, oh, we can't have, you know, interracial couples in the background or we right. can't tell these kind of stories. Or, you know, so what what, are, what has been your response to discussions around diversity or lack thereof yeah, at well, Hallmark? I, I Especially somebody who has Has done them. a bunch, yeah. I think, I mean... You have to kind of start from the beginning for me, which is, so to answer your question, yes, I agree. And again, being an indigenous person watching, I mean, I look back to when I was younger, I there was two different times that I was in a grocery store and I either lost my dad or got away from him. And when my dad, I went to find someone to help me, I was like maybe like five or six at the oldest. Uh, when I went, I got help and someone, you know, they call your dad or a speaker. When my dad came to get me, they didn't believe it was my dad because he didn't look like me. So I I fully understand how people are frustrated and angry and all of that. I think the one thing that I tell people when it comes up is that, yes, I agree. But we always want change to happen so fast. And it will never happen as fast as we want. So I think the way things are going 
everybody's doing the right thing. They're speaking up, they're putting their foot down, they're saying no to projects. Uh, and in return, look what happened. Within a matter of months, there's a whole new a whole new uh, CEO of the company yeah. who is a black female, a fierce, very, very well, you know, deserving person who has now taken over and she has changed so much. Uh, they put out their first LGBTQ wedding this yes, summer. Yes, they did. And granted, I don't think it's enough yet because it was just a little side story, but but they're, they hear people, they hear the reaction. And I think what people have to understand is like any brand it starts a certain way because there's a certain base that's interested and it requires people to speak up for them to change. If you don't like something, change, right? And I think just as much as we want everything to change, like I said, now, it never happens fast enough. We will never be satisfied. When we want something to change, we want it now. And just if you look at history and you look at the way things change, they happen over time. But I think this year especially, huge strides were made. And I, I do think people look at me as someone who does a lot of Hallmark because I used to do more of it. I, I haven't done a lot in the last couple of years, but I would be lying if I said I don't enjoy the, the Christmas aspect of it and I, I don't partake in it myself. But I think this Christmas, I am very excited to see it and hopeful to see that this Christmas, the pairing of couples and all of that will look a lot different yeah because I think they're listening and I I do think unfortunately it was very fear-based before that they would lose their initial base but I think like anything else they had to grow into themselves and and listen to people and and survive I hope that the people who who are afraid will watch like I I hope that the entertainment that they put out is good Mm -hmm. Um, and I hope that that the people who are watching who might be afraid will watch and realize that they can they can still root for couple like they they can they can be a a straight woman white woman and root for a gay couple you know and like or maybe they are living in communities or in in you know bubbles where they don't know people who are Muslim or or who are are South Asian or whatever and then like and they have a lot of ideas around how it's going to be and then they'll be able to see a story on screen and be like oh wow yeah. I th- I know these people now yeah, you know I and I like them and I think in regards to them as a company there is now very strong healthy competition from other networks like Lifetime mm-hmm. that went oh well we're going to do the same thing and we're going to do it even we're going to listen and do it the way we think we should right what everybody would like which 100% is correct diversity all the way around and and you know lgbtq and everything so it put pressure it's putting pressure on them to have to do the the same thing and and to step up their game and do it even better so i think it's an exciting year in that sense that people spoke up they listened and yeah i i definitely i would not argue at all and i totally agree everything people saying i fully agree i think the one thing people have to remember though is to be kind to others <laughs> in regards to wanting change because what I found, and and I'm going to step in in this too, is that this year, the year of 2020, has been so interesting to watch people's behavior on social media mm. during these times of change. How you're either with it or against it, right? For everything we do. And granted, 90%, I'm going to say 90%, totally right. But then there's always this little bubble of people who maybe aren't as informed that have like these pitchforks and go for each other that you just go... Just you can have a different opinion or you can totally put your voice out there and and do the right thing for change but be kind to people it doesn't get you anywhere i completely disagree get out (laughs) (laughs) no i I think you're i think you're absolutely right there's a year for that to watch human behavior on social media 
because people are getting so passionate, because people are getting so vocal, yeah, that there's always somebody that just takes it too far in terms of maybe being horrific to their fellow, you know, we have lost the art of dialogue, and yeah. especially dialoguing with people who who just come from a different place, you know. And I think I I blame I blame um, uh, the uh, the two talking heads part of the that we got into once cable news started to become more of a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, well, we have this side, and then we're going to have this yeah. side. when did it become, it's either your A or, and I think that's what I was trying to say, and I hope I didn't offend anybody, but it's almost like it became your You, either, you offended at least 10%. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like it became you're either with us or against us in everything we do, not just any specific topic, but it's like, and I think it is exactly what you're saying. You know, you hear like, oh, it's CNN or Fox News, and you're like, Wait, what? There's got to be a little crossover somewhere. It's yeah. crazy. We no longer listen to people and just politely disagree or have a good debate. It's just, you're with me or I hate you. It's so odd. You're with me or I hate you. It's wow. so odd. so right. It's brutal. Get the fuck out of here. I hate you. I love you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I don't know how to segue between, like, there's some things I definitely want to hit before favorite things, but we're also, like, we've gone all over the place. We've been to your... To, bidets and totally Hallmark and Sammy Brady. We haven't talked about um, my kid yet. Yeah, we haven't talked about your kid. We haven't talked about Tri Cities. Okay, definitely um, talk about Tri Cities. That would be awesome because it's freaking booming right now. Okay, that would be awesome. So we're gonna plug your business now. <laughs> and I think I can find a way to to tie both of those together. So Tri Cities is the. <clears throat> Hold on a second, I wrote it down here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first ever film training studio in the Tri-Cities areas of the GVRD. You got it. What does that mean? Well, I live in the Tri-Cities, and people were consistently asking. Tell people where you live. It's a big space. They yeah, it's like three. It. It's literally three cities. Three cities. <laughs> Good luck. Um, no, I live. I live a little bit out of town, and I live in what's considered the tri cities. And people were consistently asking me, "Well, where do I go take class? Where do I train? Where do I take kids? All that stuff." And I would just say, "Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver." But what I wasn't taking into account is some of these people are coming from Abbotsford, Mission. You know, an hour, an hour and a half sometimes out with traffic. And so when I we were trying to get pregnant a couple of years ago, uh, the idea she means having sex, lots of practice. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that, what was that film? Every, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. You were doing it a the, lot. A lot. I love. I just. I love how refined because I remember when I was trying to get pregnant too, and it was just it's like an odd weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It just means you're like, oh, I stopped using birth control <laughs> and tried to not be drinking when we were trying. Uh, so I. <laughs> You laugh, but it's true. Yeah, no, I, and uh, I'm I oh I have an alcohol alcohol getting trying to get pregnant story. So I'll, I'll I'll tell you tell you later. Okay, deal, time. deal. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, so my husband had brought it up. He's like, you you've always taught whether it be musical theater or hockey or something. And you come by it. My mom's teachers. So I come by it honestly. But I had never felt quite confident to do it because there's a lot of really fantastic, amazing people who do it in Vancouver. And I thought. You know, I didn't want to start something up and then have people feel like I was pulling students because that also wouldn't be cool. But at the end of the day, when I kind of thought about it, going back to the idea that I don't really, that sounds horrible, but I'm not the type of person to really worry what other people think. I was putting too much weight on this idea of what other people think. And, yeah. I went, and there's enough. an un- unserved, underserved population well, the, from the, the, the Tri-Cities, is, right? Well, the, yeah, and the thing is, like, the, the greater Vancouver area is massive and there's a very 
very large amount of actors that live outside of the city. And so when when I did find out I was pregnant, I thought, if I'm not if I don't do it now, I'm not gonna do it. Because once I have a kid in my life, it's gonna be a lot harder. And so I just went for it and I Pause. opened it up. <laughs> I love how it's a thing now. I like let let's let's put some respect on that decision and really like like look at it. I feel like I pause time when I do that. It's really cool. Because you you it wasn't even so you had already had all the sex and you got pregnant. <laughs> And then you're like, and I'm also going to start, because I remember we spoke around that time. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to start a business and get it up and running. when Before I'm Before they get here. That was my plan. Before I they thought, get, like they're a guest coming. Yeah. yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> I have to get all the fancy towels that's from some, winners before they get here. That's some, But that's amazing. Well, I just put a timeline on myself and I just thought, if I don't do it now, I won't do it. I knew I wouldn't because I, I, I didn't know what to expect with a kid and I heard how hard it is once you have a kid and I went, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And then two, well, two amazing things happened. Uh, one was once we got the lease and we started kind of thinking of how we wanted to run this. It's a studio. It's not a school. It's not a credit or anything like that. It's just classes and a taping studio. Um, I put an ad out just totally on a whim asking if there was anybody who wanted to share space because I didn't know. I was starting a business. I'd never done this. Yeah. And a gentleman by the name of Gary Herman who owns Tactical Fighting, which is – I later found out a very well-respected place for a lot of the local stunt guys to train yeah. was like, sure. So we teamed up, and suddenly I had a full house of all these stunt guys all the time. And I'm like, this is amazing. People are flipping, flipping, yeah. and like well, the other day I walk flying in, through the air. These, yeah, the other day I walk in, there's all these Deadpool jackets on the floor. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> so cool, because he teaches like 33 different disciplines. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. So, so that happened. But then also, too, I was working on a show, and a local producer found out even though the executive producers know knew a local producer found out I was pregnant and he went off he was so angry that he had to pay extra insurance even though again I had cleared it with the executive producers everyone was on board and it really reaffirmed my decision that I wanted to put myself in a position where I don't want to have to rely on other people to make what happens for me work for me so I, that's a whole other topic but I'm and, saying, I, and I wanted to say was... pause but that makes me livid oh yeah because that was just a, like a couple of years ago well this is the kicker he picked up the phone and called a casting director and told them I was pregnant which instantly from that particular casting director cuts off income so all of this and I remember thinking at the time hold on hold on <laughs> you're so stopping time, my pause so that's fine hold on so at the time I remember thinking I could get really mad and make a big deal out of this or I could really put all this aggressive anger and energy into making sure this business succeeds and that I do what I want in life and so I did and we have our two-year anniversary today happy anniversary and it is booming it, the studio is fantastic. It is booming. It is doing amazing. And so I felt like that was two really, really um, good and bad things that happened that really kind of catapulted me into being a serious business owner and, and doing I mean, what I wanted to do. And I'm happy to hear it's booming. Yeah. And that's fantastic. And it yeah. is a big middle finger. But what <laughs> happened it should be, if it's not, it should be illegal. Well, I'm pretty sure it is because it was probably on a medical. You had to get a medical, and the doctor knew, and it was all. And that's what I mean. Like, the and fact if nothing that else, it's just it's egregious and yeah. it's offensive. Oh yeah, and fuck that guy. Well, but I always think that you, the universe puts you in a position to eventually call them out or have a one-on-one -on -one with them. You don't have to make a big deal; it will happen. And sure enough, about a year oh. later, that particular producer got stuck sitting next to me on a plane <gasps> going to LA for two and a half hours, and I let him sweat it out for about I'm going to say about. 30 minutes and finally I broke the ice and you know when someone's like you can tell they're paying attention but they're trying to pretend they don't 
And so the minute I started to talk, before I could even open my mouth, he turned and was like, oh, hey, Lisa, how's it going? Blah, blah. He's like, how you been? And I was like, good. He's like, what have you been up to? And I just looked at him and was like, had a baby, as you know. And you could just see, like, the blood drain from his face. Anyways, we talked it out. We hashed it out. He apologized. It was all good. But, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I hate that story. I know. I but mean, I love time... the awkwardness of, of – <laughs> and I love that you're successful. Um is this a business that you would oh and that's actually a really good I just have to pat myself on the back myself on the back because this is a great like it is really connected right um is this a business that you would recommend to your child you know I mean because there is there's such beauty in it and then there are fuck faces like that fucking guy yeah uh I would and this is why I would because I've been through it and I know the ups and downs and they also now have a bird's eye view of the things that you could do to make your journey through it easier and the first thing that I would tell her is yes you can do this but we have to look at it like this and this is what I tell all my students is that you have to look at it like you're an entrepreneur and one of your businesses is acting so if there are other things that you can do alongside of it that will allow you to do your acting whether it be you know you do something else that pays your bills until you start it up rather than considering it quote-unquote side hustle be a smart business person. Take marketing classes and business classes so that you can have other businesses to support what you love to do so you will never feel pressured to get the job. You will never feel desperate to get the job. Mm. And if anything, you might end up bringing more to the table if you study in terms of business, you know, producing or or writing and directing, something else that goes hand in hand. So that would be my only, I guess, trade-off for her is how do we take this as opposed to it just being your everything – Make it just one of your businesses and enjoy it. And some years will be good and some years won't be good and all of that. But I think regardless of what business you're in, you're going to have those kind of people. So you have to learn how to, you know, um, um, deal with them. But also you have to learn how to, in general, conflict, uh, what do you call that? Conflict resolution. Thank you. Yeah. I think you just have to. I don't think there's any other business. It's just an odd business because we're all so artistic and it's feelings, it's feelings, but then all of a sudden you get somebody who's more business-minded and it's like, you know, Clash of the Titans where they're just very different people. Yeah. So you have to learn, like, tough lessons along the way. So I would say to her, go get a business degree and then if you still want to be an actor, you come into it educated. That would be my advice. Now, I understand your child is uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> So, she's so, been one since February. Yeah. She's just hanging so out. you haven't actually had this conversation. No, God, yet. no. She might be like, Mom, you're dumb. I want to be a scientist. <laughs> well, that's probably better for you, girl. No, she's only 19 months. She, yeah. yeah she has so no you haven't clue. had these conversations yet. Okay, you ready to play some favorite things? Yes. Yes, so, yes. Um, this These were mostly questions that were developed by my child. Oh, I um, like. But then, like... But then people came, were coming in and they just knew what the answers, they had prepared their answers already because I had already done this. So then my, Mari and I, we made new questions and then we also sourced some from Twitter. So, um, so the, I know you love games. I do. Okay. So the, the key with this one is to just answer right from your gut. Okay. And I won't say pause, even though it's like my new favorite (laughs) thing. I feel like I stopped time. Okay, Okay. So favorite locally shot series. Uh, there's too many. Um, I'm gonna go motive because I'm a big fan of, of Dennis. Dennis, Dennis yeah. Heaton, friend Dennis of the podcast. Heaton. Yeah, love him. Favorite screen partner. <gasps> Ooh, 
I'm gonna say Toby Levins. Aww. Loved him. And he and so much so that I brought him on to work with me at the studio because I just adore him. He's one of my best friends. So definitely Toby Levins. Favorite karaoke song. Oh. Uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Joy to the world. Sorry, I had to figure it out. I was like, what's it called? It's a bullfrog song. No one except me got to enjoy the head moves and the ch-ch-ch. <laughs> All right. Okay, keep going. Favorite junk food? Ketchup chips. Yeah. Oh, they're the devil. They're That's the worst. That's the most Canadian answer. So Canadian. So Canadian. So Canadian, so Canadian, eh? Okay. Favorite thing to eat at craft services? Gum. The fact that they took so much time to cut it up. I don't know why. I have some mad appreciation <laughs> to just eat the pre-cut pieces of gum. I have you been I'm, have you been back to set since, I since have. the COVID? I went once in June and it was very I don't know, it was odd, but at the same time, everyone was lovely and respectful and they wore masks and there was less people and you got your you know, your temperature check every morning and I, I kinda found it more chill and I liked it. Yeah. Everyone was really cool about it. And did it. you eat gum? I did. Yeah. Because it's definitely, it's wrapped up, so you're okay. <laughs> Favorite supervillain? Oh, my God. Uh, oh, the faces you're making are my I know, because I'm trying, I can't think of her name. What, remember Shira and He-Man? Wasn't there an evil Shira? There was like an evil version of her. An evil version of Shira? Wasn't there? Is that canon? I, I don't know. If not, I'm going to pick Dr. Claw. Okay, I'm gonna pick Doctor Claw. Sorry, evil. Is there? Am I Shira, making that up? Well, first thing that comes up is evil Shira fan fiction. Um, Shira, evil Adora. Yeah, that, it's possible. Is mm. it? Mm. Or did I just make that up when I played it at home? There's a good chance that I just made that up. Yeah, I don't see anything about about Adora turning evil at any point, but it seems a lot of people have created fan fiction. But it could be wrong. And just no. uh, for the record, we are talking original um, uh, 1980s yeah, version. Yeah, totally. I probably yeah. just made her the evil version. I have a Glimmer doll up there. I know, I love it. Yeah, she's the guy who likes the way. So okay. nostalgic. But okay, let's go Dr. Claw, because I okay. think he's brilliant. <laughs> okay. Favorite time of year? Fall. Love fall. Love, yeah, and love, I love. I did say today that you came in I did, I looking like... as if you walked out of a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> at, I'm just I'm taking your photo. I know it's so uh, odd. You're like talking away as you're taking. <laughs> I was like, should I? Should I stop? Just while you? you're thinking. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Favorite scent. La, uh, uh, it's it's my perfume. It's um, <laughs> light the uh, light blue by ah, I can see my head. It's light blue by Dolce & Gabbana. Oh. Ooh, fancy. I love it. Favorite decade? Oh, 90s. Really? Oh, yeah. Loved the 90s. The all. Don't you remember the 90s? The ace of bass, and we all wore these, like, tight black shirts with the choker collars. Chokers, and, yeah. yeah. And you had the little, like, the bob with the, like, non-existent eyebrows. Non-existent and, eyebrows, lots of lip liner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a teenager in the 90s, right? So it was like... I was, I was too. So it's like, but it was also like I had a lot of awkwardness as well. But, you know, I stylistic, like, it was a, there was a lot of good stuff. Yeah. 
I think for, like my favorite decade is the 80s because like there was a magic of childhood there that when right. I was in the 90s it was more like I'm not a girl I'm not yet a woman oh, fair. I'm Britney song um, but, but I yeah music the 90s, in the 90s was so rad the too. end of the 90s it's like you brought you brought out Brit Brit and NSYNC and, and all that pop stuff that kind of came back Spice Girls and then and then the hip hop was really great I mean yeah. it, was, it was also it's really weird when you think about that time you know in the late because also I met Paul in the late 90s so I have a lot of you know happy warm fuzzy feelings with that but you know the um the 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 year or two before 9-11 like it, it was just such a different even the things that we thought about were so different yeah and, and it, I look at my life in the 90s sorry to interrupt you I look at my life yeah you didn't say pause okay pause <laughs> Um, in the 90s, my <laughs> life was so different because that was pre-getting into the arts. Yeah. And I always used to hang around with this group of guys. There was five of them, and they were my they were my buddies. Like, they were all these massive, tall guys. And unfortunately, just the way life went, to one of them passed away from drugs. Another one almost passed oh. away from drugs. They, we just took very different turns. And so, but the 90s, it was just so epic because that was that was my my little posse and we had was so much time. fun and yeah it was just a very I don't know I loved the 90s I, I liked high school I wasn't one of those kids that didn't like high school yeah yeah I went to an arts high school oh cool um and I loved it and I hated it because I was a teenager and that's what you yeah what you do you love right? and hate everything yeah but I remember like no rent <laughs> rent was huge at my school because it came out like yes you know, it came out I mean, there was there were twenty like rent was also playing in Toronto, and there were twenty dollar rush tickets. Right, it, right. Was, it was such a great time. Okay, I got one more question. Mm-hmm. Okay, favorite song from the nineteen nineties. Oh man, I'm gonna go with, and I don't know, does this classify as nineties? I was obsessed with New Edition, mm. uh, and then it broke off into Belle Biv DeVoe. And now you know. I think that's more eighties, but is it? Are you sure? Check I, it out. I'm. I'm right. <laughs> We're, do, we're doing it. We're doing it. The live, Can like you fact poison. Check it? Oh, I'm fact checking. Yes. Um, poison was a great song. What Let's year? See. Okay. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm not. Uh, they originated in 1989, and Poison was 1990, so that counts. Yes, because Poison. I, I loved listening. I was probably behind the times, but I loved listening to. There was that. You know, you had everything from Cisco to, like I said, Belle Biv DeVoe and all these guys. That kind of music, I loved it when I was younger. I don't know why I'm so into it. Bobby Brown, all of oh, that. That's good. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So definitely, I would. I'm gonna go with Poison. I just heard on the radio the other day, and Justin Timberlake brought them on. This was years ago, like five years ago. But he brought them on a live stage show and did Poison with them, and I was like, Are you kidding me? That's amazing Come on. because I feel like JT, J, we're on an initials basis, yeah. but I feel like he totally did that because he was singing them, like singing that song in his room. Probably. You know, with his comb, with his like noodle hair, oh, you know. Probably. Totally. <laughs> it's driving me out of my mind. Okay, we'll, we'll do some Spotify this. after. This. <laughs> okay, we are, we are nearly. We're nearly done here, sure. Lisa Jeru. You'll come back and we'll talk Christmas movies and we'll talk having it all and we'll, I don't know, we'll talk about like uh, stories from the lake house. Um, and I'll just keep saying, Sabrina, you're right. <laughs> That's my man. I'll keep saying, pause. Let's end with a WTF. Um, sure. What the fuck moments? You know, Ooh. when in your career do you have those moments where you're like, what the fuck? This Good or is bad? Actu- well, I'm going to perform it. Sorry. What the fuck? This is actually my life? Not like, what the fuck? This is my life. Uh, When do those happen for you in your career? The most recent or just in general? Specifically. What are we looking for? Oh. Okay. Uh, I had a what the fuck moment a couple years ago when I walked into a makeup trailer and I was working with Dennis Haysbert, 
who I love. Mm. And he, the guy from Allstate, if you don't know who he is, mm-hmm, he's got mm-hmm. this low voice. And we sat there talking for oh, probably almost about half an hour. And he gave me some really good advice to never let anybody intimidate me because that's just my own. I don't know how you know got on that subject, but, um, and now I left going, did I just have like a semi-therapy session with Jenna Hayes? <laughs> We're at the guy from Allstate, what the hell? <laughs> Uh, so that would be one. Another one was that I had a really great business chat with MC Hammer because I did a commercial with him. So that was a what the fuck moment. And I think that's a what the actual fuck. That's yeah. a WTAF. Yeah, that was intense. That's amazing. But I got some amazing business advice from him, so I thought that was great. And then um, probably on a personal note, I have that quite often with my daughter because I wasn't mm. wasn't planning on being a mom. And so even right now, my husband's out of town, so it's just her and I. And I just go are you kidding me? Like, this is pretty cool. For something that I didn't think I wanted, I'm pretty fortunate to have what I have and to have her and her have her be healthy and a good kid and all that stuff. So I don't know. Even when I go to my studio and I walk in in the morning and it's like my office and it's my studio and I go, holy crap, that's pretty cool. So I yeah. fucking love that feeling. I do. I know that feeling. Right? You come to your office, yeah. you make your coffee, you're the boss, nobody bugs you. If you want to work, it's up to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just go, the space. Jesus, this, this is awesome. I mean, I'm like, yay, I got this awesome space yeah. to, like, put all my toys, and then people totally. I, I really like come and talk to me through plexiglass. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, I what think. the actual fun. And what's interesting is I think that supersedes any, any like, big moments like that like meeting people because that passes but yeah. I think when exactly that you're in your your own space and you know how hard it is to get that yeah. for yourself and have it do okay or do well so yeah I think you can totally relate to that and I, think I can, those are I the can best. relate to it the best the best you are the best capital you're T right capital back v. at you um, Lisa Giroux where can our fans find you follow break Follow Brate you. Follow, follow you and celebrate you on the social media. Or follow Brate you, which would be like a parade. Like you walk down the street and there are balloons and like. <laughs> you should start it. Coin yeah. the term. Yeah. Make it your Follow Brate. It's not just because I'm stumbling over my words. You need to start that for your podcast. It's a, yeah. it's a hashtag specifically for you. Socially distant follow Brating. Follow Brating. <laughs> there you go. Uh, any of my social media stuff is just the Lisa Daru. The. The. Because there's apparently a Lisa Daru in France. She has all the original ones, so I couldn't have them. Mon Dieu, how oui, dare she? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who she is. I'd love to meet her, though. I think it'd be cool. What if the- she looks exactly like you, but she has like a beret? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, because everybody in France wears berets. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, and she's carrying a oh, baguette. Like, God. yeah, a striped oh shirt. God. Yeah. I'm going to put it out in the world. I hope that somebody will help us connect, <laughs> and I hope she wears a beret. I am so excited. And carries a baguette. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. All right. It's been a fucking pleasure. Oh, right back at you. Um, thank you also to our listeners for sitting Whoever with us. Whoever stuck around with us. You know what? I think people, I, what I've heard is that people love a longer conversation. Conversation. Follow braiding and the conversating. Um, they, because it's like it's like hanging out with people. You know, yeah. it's like it's like hanging out and having a conversation. And, you know, and um, I, I, I love this. And I know that people, I love to think about people in Switzerland and Sweden and Germany and New Zealand and Australia, which is where our, some of our Patreon subscribers are from. That's amazing. Because well, people all over the world. On that. Well, it's been, but, I mean, thank you. But it's also because people all over the world love the work that we're creating here right. in BC, right? So, yeah, I love to think about about all people just listening to that. And they're, they're doing what they're doing, you know, whatever time zone they're in at their part right. of the day. And, I, yeah, I love to be. I love to be part of your lives. So thank you so much. 
You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. I am the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad. And to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. Yes, we, we are a family business, Lisa. Oh, and to Dane Devile for the original music. Why your screen scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And celebrate! <laughs> and cut and cut hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project did you know that the union of bc performers actra provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions including commercials tv series and movies feature films from big budget to canadian indies and student films animation series video games web series and even streaming video on demand like netflix for instance, our highly successful UBCP Actra Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered and you too can benefit from UBCP Actra's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP Actra. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP Actra member. Go to ubcp.com for more information.